Welcome to Soul Forum. I'm Dan Center. And I'm April Bell. And together we co-host a series of conversations and reflections that explore the unfolding search for that sense of soul. The way folks from all walks of life stumble into or construct or give shape to what they describe as their most authentic self or their spiritual sense of things or their own wisdom path. What I really love about this introductory series that we call In Search of Soul is the diverse ways in which the folks we interview describe how they awaken to all of this in their own lives. From the college student to the 87-year-old environmental activist, married couples, those in mid-career, every story and reflection opens up some new window in how we might all find our way into an experience of our own individual or collective soul. Episodes include my reflections on the conversations that integrate insights from poets and theologians, philosophers, and even my 35 years of experience working with all sorts of folks in search of a worthy spiritual path. And I am honored as the founder of a storytelling and wisdom keeping project to spend time with each of them to allow their life story to help give you a sense of how every moment of life can draw you into your own sense of soul. Soul. It's that integrative force that so many experience as a guiding principle or an orienting force in their lives. So give yourself a moment to journey a little deeper into the human experience. Welcome to Soul Form. Last week we heard from Bob and Joan kind of the way in which they both dive in literally to uh, sort of ritual behavior and how rituals are so important to the way in which they understand and construct their spiritual lives. So I thought today I would just pause for a moment and rather than an interview, just simply spend some time with you kind of looking at what is the character of ritual and are there ways for us to create rituals for our own time that might be able to enhance our deepest connection to our emerging soul or our connection to the collective soul or however we imagine that. So here's some thoughts on how best to maybe build ritual for our own time. One of the places I wanted to start is this kind of, I think it's not new information to anyone that all of life on the planet in which we find ourselves is in this sort of uh, dance between the sun and the moon it's almost like a spin and wobble dance, right, that creates day and night, the seasons of the year, and how all of those work collaboratively to sustain our existence, right? We live inside of this dance pattern. And it's just, um, if you look back to the most ancient forms of religion, it was always linked to an understanding and relationship to those patterns. And, and where a cultural um, context found themselves in relationship to those patterns wherever they were on the planet, celebrating them, uh, investing in them some meaning, incorporating them into their collective stories. It was a way to stay grounded to the land that held them. When a couple of years ago we, had, we did a survey um, with the spiritual community that I uh, work with 
And I kind of knew what the answer was going to be. A couple of them caught me off guard, but I thought I knew what the primary answer was going to be. But we asked people, if you think about where is it that you feel most grounded kind of spiritually, you know, where, where are your best spiritual moments, if you will? And uh, two things came up. You could probably guess what they are. The first one was being out in nature. That, for the majority of people, that is their primary kind of place in which they find their soul kind of feeling uh, uh, renewed, restored, reconnected, right? Out in nature, being a part of the natural world. And then the other one, which I think kind of resonates with uh, the first Soul Forum series that launches today, is this uh, capacity to connect with other human beings, to connect with one another. Those deepest connections and connecting moments for people, they feel like something come alive inside of them, right? It's just that magical moment where they just feel so present and, um, and the other opens up for them and something inside them opens up. Those were the two pieces, our ability to connect to each other and to the natural world and uh, being in nature. But there's just something about uh, the course of human history, I'm afraid, that has migrated away from uh, holding central as our spiritual um, kind of grounded place uh, the natural world. And rather we begin to elevate, and every religion does this, we begin to elevate our own accomplishments, our own history, or the trajectory of the human story. And more and more um, rituals are created to celebrate um, these various either religious stories or cultural phenomenon, and we elevate those, and in many ways we've kind of slipped away from that sort of pattern of the natural world that holds us. I think particularly around this time of year, all the kind of the birth story energy of the Christian narrative Right? That becomes so dominant this kind of time of year. And then we've linked all of this energy to the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And that particular religious narrative becomes like the meta story uh, that holds us and that we try to align our dance to that meta story. But, but really, it was a cultural story in a context thousands of years ago in a location that is so distant from the lived experience of so many people. But that becomes the story we hold. And I think we do that, um, as uh, Papa John pointed out in one of his interviews, you know, we do that with our economic systems. You know, we create these uh, stories about the uh, free market, the way in which that has a life of its own. (laughs) And we do it there. You, You can just see that we love to do that, and we love to ritualize these things, right? The, uh, uh, the sounding of the bell at the stock market, the announcement of a, a new public offering, right? You, you can just see us ritualizing all this stuff and folding it into our lives. We have wandered, I think, uh, too far away from the deepest uh, connection we can have uh, to the universe itself. When we do that, and this is the other piece of the puzzle that I think is a little bit, um, can be a little bit, Uh, dangerous, we tend to link those stories to some divine will, right? So the birth of the Jesus at Bethlehem is not just any old birth, right? It's a miraculous birth. Some would say 
that that is a child. God was the father of that child, right? We shift the human um, story to being an actual divine story. And then it becomes like more of an absolute, right? It's not grounded in time or place. It becomes the story. And then you fight over if you have the right story or not. So we tend to then take what we think are in these important stories and rituals, and we elevate them to being something uh, more than they might actually be, right? We layer onto them this sort of divine connection. We do it as well with the idea of the American project, right? Manifest destiny, that this is sort of um, America, sort of God's vision for the human experience. And I remember reading, I don't know if you remember this, but it was in 1954 that um, I think two words were added to the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Two words were added before I was born, so I just thought they were always there. And it just, it's the two words, and this was during the Cold War, we added were under God. That wasn't there at the beginning, right? It was just one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And then we put in the words under God. And all of a sudden we elevated our kind of national story to this sort of divine story. And I'm not sure that's a great idea when in reality, everything you need to experience the depths of your spirituality, the the connection, the movement, the loss, the grief, the rebirth, is can be experienced, I think, literally in the ground beneath your feet, in the depth of a, of a quiet, patient, attentive relationship uh, to the planet itself. And in my mind, there's no better moment to kind of mark that than whether it be winter solstice or summer solstice or one of the equinox moments, these shifts of the season, those are a beautiful invitation to kind of do that. And so today I'm going to invite you to think about um, maybe uh, maybe folding in some rituals that connect you to that, maybe morphing some of the rituals that you have at home that might embrace more fully the connection to the planet. And to do so, I want to begin with a piece of poetry by uh, Susie Kassam. And this one reminds us of kind of how grounded we are in the, in the very fabric of the natural world, and that maybe it's there that we can find um, a little bit of our deepest selves. So if you're at home, maybe just pause for a moment and take a little bit of a cleansing breath, and if you're here, I just feel your body, you know, weighted to the soil a bit, and then hear this poem. Everybody has a little bit of sun and moon in them. Everybody has a little bit of man, woman, and animal in them. Dark and light in them. Everyone a part of a connected cosmic system. Part earth and sea, wind and fire with some salt and dust swimming in them, why we have a universe within ourselves that mimics the universe outside. Everybody has a little bit of the sun and the moon in them. One of the great 
uh, kind of questions that I like to bring to this time together as we seek new patterns of how to be together with, uh, with each other and with the planet is, is to think about how we might uh, renegotiate or reimagine different rituals that we explore. And this week I had a com uh, conversation with April, and I was going to have her share this story, but I think I'll just share it on her behalf today. But um, it's just a reminder of that how powerful ritual is, that if you incorporate rituals into your life, um, you will find these grounding moments that just partner with you along the way. I'll give you an example. Today I showed up at work a little bit early because I was worried about how cold it was going to be in this space. And um, unbeknownst to me, that the thermostat has been beautifully pre-programmed. But um, when I got here, it was kind of not quite light out, and there was another car in the parking lot. Uh, that's funny. You know, who's here this early? And I, I kind of thought, I don't want to stumble into somebody in this building if there's something not good going on. So I started creeping down the ramp, and that ramp in this site leads on to a big labyrinth, an outdoor labyrinth, and then into the building. And as I started coming down the ramp, I noticed someone in the wee hours of the morning by herself uh, walking the labyrinth, you know, before everything got started. Super slow, so present, I could almost feel her energy there. And I backed away and slipped into the side door and just let her finish her journey. And then she got in her car and went home. Right? Someone who chose on an early morning to just incorporate a 10-minute moment of ritual into their lives. Ritual does matter. It, it, it's like the space we give ourselves to be present. <laughs> so, and that she would find one that was in the middle of nature, that had that kind of rhythmic seasonal pattern to it and then hopefully found some sense of refreshment and then back home again it was a beautiful thing this week too april shared that she has a tradition in her family system of saint lucia day which um i, I think she confessed that they're not all into saint lucia but it gave them this moment to come together as a family and because they have all this kind of art energy in their family um, decorating the house and the tree and making sure that they establish sort of this kind of artistic seasonal moment in the, in the home space matters to them. And so that is a moment when they all come together on St. Lucia Day and they collectively decorate the tree and they put up the ornaments and the decorations around the house and they create, and that's the reason I love this season, they create in their home this kind of sacred ritual space. And I think we all do it with candlelight and Christmas trees and decorations and pictures from the past. That is a, we need that in our lives. We need that in our lives. And I guess I would say that the, you know, to understand that we need that, but not to say that those rituals are somehow um, provided for us outside of, you know, in some mystical place outside of us and then given to us as some sort of a, absolute that we must create every year, but rather it's birthed out of this human need, right, to feel connected, to feel like our lives have deeper meaning and purpose and focus, sometimes to wash away um, stuff that we need to just let go of. You know, all of that is, is inside these rituals. So just to honor the rituals in and of themselves allows us, I think, some flexibility to say, well, what are the rituals that can be most helpful to us today? You know, we, don't have to, we don't have to cling to the old ones. 
we can morph them, change them, shape them how we want so that they actually uh, resonate with both where we are and where we think uh, we're going. And I, and I would just remind you that rituals kind of have these components to them that I was going to write down for you, but maybe I'll type in later. You know, they, they allow you a moment to pause from the kind of the hectic busyness. They allow you a moment to attend in a particular way, right? So you're attentive to this space or this moment in a particular way. Just think about, you know, you drinking a mug of, uh, I can't drink it because I'm lactose intolerant. What's that stuff called with all the cream in it? Eggnog. Think about <laughs> sitting there with your eggnog, uh, if you can, without cramping up. And, and you know, watching your f flickering Christmas tree, right? You can attend to the moment. So you're pausing, you're attending, you're absorbing sort of the spirit of that moment. You're allowing uh, all of you to become more porous so that the experience itself can kind of sink inside. That's a part of ritual. And then you resonate with that absorbent, right? You, you feel calmer or, or loving or tenderness. You, you begin to internally resonate with this ritual that you've created. This, these are all important pieces. And then as you resonate, I think what I would also say is then you, you can, and we're not so good at this sometimes, but then you can allow that to kind of realign or rebirth, maybe even uh, nourish some seeds that you haven't been tending to that might manifest themselves later on, right? It happens that something can, it can be a birthing place once you get into that space. So, tending to the beauty of ritual itself, um, whether it be the walking of the labyrinth or something at St. Lucia Day, or maybe even something that we create uh, collectively today uh, might be a good way to do this. In many ways, I think that um, you might frame it like this, right? Sometimes we, I don't know if this is a human thing. I wonder if animals do the same thing. Maybe even plants do it. But I think we all have this sense that there is this bigger song into which our song fits, or we're sort of seeking sort of the melody that can harmonize our lives with that larger song. And I would encourage you to think about rather than songs constructed by kind of cultural constructs, to think about the song of nature that is sung in a cycle, like a ring cycle, year after year after year, through the rise and the fall of the sun, through the shifting of the uh, seasons, uh, the way in which the world is responding to those seasons. All of that wondrous song can be a place where you find your deepest meaning. Maybe the words of the poem are true, that just everybody and everything has a little bit of sun and moon within them, has a little bit of man, woman, and animal in them, dark and light in them, that everyone, a part of this connected cosmic system, all of us, earth and sea, wind and fire, salt and dust swimming within, a universe 
that feels like it's outside, but it's actually on the inside too. How could we build moments that reconnect us to that pattern is one of the questions I want us to tend to today. When this episode was recorded, it was just on the heels of winter solstice. And so here's an example of how you might think about constructing your own ritual using the themes of winter solstice. To do that, um, I've constructed a little bit of an altar at home, and I would invite you to try to do this too if you'd like throughout the season, starting with winter solstice, which is on the 21st. That launches us into this time of winter. And I created, so in, I grew up with a family that always had Advent candles, right? You always have four Advent candles in a circle. And so I thought, why not shift those Advent candles to be seasonal candles? And each one of the four stands for a different season. So in our space, we have uh, four candles, each at a different height. So you get this sense of the movement and then the return and the movement. And then around those candles, I've found some stones uh, that come from our landscape, uh, 12 stones for 12 months of the year, and the way in which kind of the year unfolds. And the ritual that I would have you do, and that we're going to try out this morning and then reflect on ourselves, is to uh, just pause, like we talked about, right? Pause, and to notice how at first all of the stones are warmed by that candlelight. The, the metaphor of the sun at the center and the sun giving stones its warmth and its brightness. But we also know that this time of year, the sun begins to fade lower and lower on the horizon and the stones are invited to just slowly soften into the capacity to be renourished during the winter. And so after you kind of acknowledge stone and flame, then you'll pick up a stone and move away from the flame to a place that has your back to the, to the warmth of the sun. And just sit for a time in silence or with soft music, kind of holding that stone and imagining, like the universe that's inside of you, that like that stone too, you need these moments of deep, quiet, nourishing pause in your life that can maybe, like the metaphor of the trees losing their, brand, their leaves, that maybe things need to be released during this time, letting go of some stuff, right? Just let it fall down into the soil to be absorbed. In there, you find new nourishment for the seeds that might burst their way forward in the spring, but you're in that time space that allows you the patient um, connection to the pattern of the earth itself. And if you keep that ritual kind of alive a little bit, as we begin to move from solstice to the summertime, you begin to see the sun inviting you, right, nourishing you uh, to allow all that's been brewing in the ground of your own being to kind of find itself again. It's a, just a beautiful uh, rhythmic way to ritualize the pattern of earth. And so it's one that I'm going to offer for you today, and you can explore um, kind of how that works for you if you want to try it at home, uh, or we're going to do it today and see what kind of insights that we gleaned as we move through that space together. The last thing I wanted to um, say that um, I think is important about ritual 
and particularly thinking about almost like being um, overt rather than just being caught up in the rituals that are uh, crafted by the culture. So you're being a little bit more intentional about the ritual. That there's so many times in our lives, and I'm like this, I don't know if you all are like this, but there's times when I always try to make things happen. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make, uh, I'm trying to force myself into these things that might manifest at some point. And, and yet we know inside the natural world that it doesn't feel forced necessarily, right? It almost feels kind of like the, the wonder of, you, almost like you nourish your way into those transformations, right? If I would just tend to and nourish that which needs to f manifest rather than force what needs to manifest, I fall into a different kind of uh, rhythmic pattern and, and quietly allow uh, the seasons to guide me through that. Nicole, one of the people that we interviewed in the, um, in the first episode of Soul Forum, uh, made a reference to a philosopher that says, we need to learn to live out into, live into the seasons of life. Right? If it's winter, let's just be in winter together. And if it's spring, let's, let's then be in spring. You don't have to always live in summertime. Right? You, can, you know that these patterns are available to you and that they, they have inside of them the capacity to remind you about birth and rebirth, life and death, loss and gain. They just by naturally. So trying to kind of rest into your own growth pattern rather than force it is one of the beautiful things that I think can come out of this ritual as well. So to close, a quiet moment for our poem one more time today before we move into that ritual and invite you at home maybe to give that ritual a try as well. Everybody has a little bit of the sun and the moon in them. Everybody has a little bit of man, woman, and animal in them darks and light in them. Everyone part of a connected cosmic system, part earth and sea, wind and fire, with salt and dust swimming within. We have a universe within ourselves that mimics the universe outside. Thanks for being a part of Soul Forum and particularly a deep sense of gratitude to Bob and Joan for sharing with us their perspectives on how they integrate this idea of ritual behavior or, you know, connection to traditions as they try to construct their sense of soul for our time. I hope that you too can kind of find ways to create new uh, patterns of ritual behavior, maybe in your own home or at your workplace or in your communities. Uh, that might allow you, too, to expand this sense of how your soul is unfolding in our time. Next week, I am excited to sit down with Candy as she tends to try to navigate her sense of spirituality by tethering it to how she understands her authentic self and that this search for an authentic self is, in a sense, a, a required journey that will be mirrored in your kind of emerging sense of your own spirit or your own soul and how that manifests in the world. So join us next week as we sit down and hear her perspectives on um, 
the soul's journey and her own search for soul. Catch you next week. This episode of Soul Forum has been brought to you by Storycatcher for iPhone, a fun and simple tool that helps you create shareable keepsake video stories. Be the documentarian in your circles. Find Storycatcher, spelt as all one word, on the Apple App Store. You may attend Soul Forum Live each Sunday morning at Creekside Commons in Lafayette, California. The 30-minute presentation is also live-streamed via YouTube and Facebook, where people interact via the chat. After the live stream is complete, for those gathering in person, we then enter into a non-recorded group discussion on the day's topic. We'd love for you to join us for Soul Forum.